0: young gospel young gospel what's up my brothers and my sisters I have not heard from you guys in a long time and you guys have not heard from me in a while but today I have a very very compelling and touching message um My life is good. My life is great. The Lord is great. We're in this COVID-19 situation, but you know what? We're going to get through it. Um, These things happen. You know, we have to be prepared. Not only do we have to be prepared spiritually, we also have to be prepared physically. You know, we see that COVID-19 is attacking a lot of uh, people with pre-existing conditions. So we have to exercise our mind, exercise our spirit, but we also have to exercise our bodies. So that's my tip. For this COVID-19 situation. But today's message is going to be titled, Why I Stop Smoking Weed to Follow Jesus. Yes, why stop smoking weed. So at a young age, I picked up uh, smoking weed. I had a lot of friends in the community that, uh, that did smoke weed uh, religiously. Uh, I didn't. I never really cared for it. I never wanted to venture into it, but um, it it ended up happening. You are who you surround yourself with, and I surrounded myself with a lot of people that had a lot of uh, drug addictions. Uh, There's a couple of other things that I also delved into, other drugs that I experimented with, but today I'm going to focus on weed, just because it was the beginning uh, of a very, very bad very narrow path very dark path um, and it's what kind of sparked uh, other interests and in, in other drugs also so growing up in the suburbs of Riverside California uh, you know I grew up a very very um, normal kid I played baseball I uh, did a lot of martial arts when I was a kid I did a lot of judo I uh, did a lot of karate uh, karate do it's kind of like uh, emphasize of power that's what the do means After karate, it comes from Okinawa. also did, like I said, judo. I had a very high-level, high-skilled teacher. So I I did a lot of things. My dad really tried to keep us busy. Um, So even though I did grow up in the suburbs of Riverside, but I actually was born in East L.A., grew up in East L.A., Uh, East Los Angeles, for those of you that don't know what East LA is, East Los Angeles, a very predominant low income, uh, high minority rate, um, a lot of Hispanics. So I grew up there till till I was about 10 or 11. And then we moved over to Riverside where I kind of had a different type of upbringing. Uh, LA was very dangerous, a lot of shootings, a lot of gunshots at night. Uh, We lived right up the street from a bridge where people were being found dead religiously, a lot of gang activity. There was a lot of, uh, almost in LA, almost every other street is a gang. So you just had to be careful where you would walk, you had to take certain paths, or you could get attacked. You can get beat up, you can get shot, you can get killed. Uh, You had to be in the house by a certain time. You couldn't be out, you know, with by 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 a certain time because that's where you know the drug deals were going on, the prostitution, uh, the drug addictions, the robberies, so many things was happening in LA. You needed a padlock for a padlock, if you if you know what I'm saying. But growing up in Riverside, it was more slower. I came into a. Uh, more of a low-income area, and honestly, I really liked it. I really loved it. I grew up um, in an area where you could have farm animals, and, and I really saw the innocence, you know, getting away from the city. But I also kind of snared myself because I was too much of an innocent kid. I grew up in the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church gave me a, a, a belief system. It really gave me, like, the wanting to serve Jesus, wanting. I really felt good about this person named Jesus. I really felt like in those days when I was a Christian when I was a Catholic, sorry, I would really look up at this Jesus and I would really seek out for his help and for 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 his wisdom. My mom would always teach me the stories of King Solomon and how he prayed for wisdom. And that's what that's what I wanted. I just I wanted to be wise. I ended up hanging out with the wrong crew even here in Riverside. And I remember one time Uh, My cousin lived up the street from me. Uh, He he was already kind of dabbling in the the marijuana and the weed. And he said, hey, you know, you want to smoke? And I said, no, you know, I'm not really. That's not for me. I don't really want to mess with it. Um, He ended up having a lot of issues uh, in the community. He ended up moving out. Well, his friends ended up becoming my friends. And then they convinced me to smoke my first joint. Um, We did like a weird camp out thing in my backyard we were i think i was only like 13 so we were like camping out supposedly but it was really just an excuse to pitch a tent and get high Um, so i remember how that really that first hit that first kind of like high really took away my innocence I, i i i felt like okay um i got high but but i i i Did enjoy that that night. I laughed a lot. You know, I got hungry. I had the munchies. The next morning, I felt like I got robbed of something. And I mean, honestly, I couldn't put my finger on it. I I didn't know what it was. But there was a part of me that had been taken away from me. There was an innocence that was no longer there. And it, it was weird. You know, um, kind of started growing distant, distance between me and my dad, uh, me and my mom, me and the family. I uh, really wanted to pursue the high, always looking for it, always searching for the high, always, um, you know, wanting to get high, going to drug dealer's house and, you know, hey, you know, give me this, give me that. All my money was being spent on weed, on seeking out for better weed, a better high, slowly but surely, you know, like I had these friends that were, you know, sober minded, maybe they were not Christian, but they had so many things and they had fun things and they had bikes and they had cars. And, you know, I kind of wanted that too, but I wanted to get high at the same time. So most of my money would go to weed. All I really had to show for it was a fat sack of weed and maybe some new shoes. That was it. So I kind of got tired of that. You know i kind of got tired of that i i was unsatisfied there was a big unsatisfaction in my life i didn't really realize it when i was younger like in my teens like you know 16 17 18 like i i didn't i didn't realize how unsatisfied i really was because i also didn't know what would satisfy me or what i really wanted to look for but there was something inside of me that was like this can't be it i mean coming you know coming home from work uh I think I started my first job at 16 at a car wash. Coming home every day from work, grabbing a beer, grabbing a joint or a blunt, whatever. I think my my joint addiction became a blunt addiction. And then I started smoking blunts and drinking tall cans. I just told myself like, this can't be it. Like I'm coming home every day. I'm working just to get high, to get drunk, and to go to sleep and to do it all over again. Every day, every day. My life became meaningless. You know, it kind of started sparking this depression that I had as an adolescent, as as a young boy, that now I'm a teenager, but I feel like this depression is coming back because I'm letting go of a lot of opportunities to go out with genuine friends. I'm letting go of a lot of opportunities to go see my family members at family gatherings because now I'm just distancing myself from everybody. You know you get that paranoia where people you think people are looking at you or, or you think people are not going to accept you or oh my god now my eyes are red now i gotta buy some clear eyes and it just all becomes this big chore right there also there's also something that happens within you you start distancing yourself from people you start distancing yourself from everyone and that's that's what happened to me i began to to get depressed I was like, man, what's going on? Like, I just don't feel right. And no matter how much my friends that smoked weed would tell me like everything was gonna be all right, like nothing was all right, nothing was all right. And, and I couldn't explain to them because see, I had already suffered from depression at a young age. Um, living in Los Angeles, you know, going through hearing these gunshots late at night and uh, waking up, you know, being sleeping right next to a window and not knowing if a bullet was gonna enter and, you know, these these sounds of these bullets were of these shotguns were so loud. And then we live right by a bridge. So they would just echo the whole neighborhood. And my dad would just have us hit the floor, roll off the twin bed, get under the bed. And I was already traumatized. I was already growing up traumatized. We would be at school, elementary school um, in Los Angeles, and there would be shootings. Uh, they would shoot at each other, but they were doing it in front of the school. So, you know, eventually you learn how to stop, drop, um, wait till. You know, it all clears out to to get back up. So all those things as a young kid, they really traumatized me. And I, I didn't realize it, but I got over it. Now that I'm now that I'm this young man, you know, smoking weed all the time, I'm beginning to be unsatisfied. But I'm also beginning to to find this this depression in my life. And, and, and I never understood it. I never understood it. And again, distancing myself from all the people that were probably the best people I could have had in my life. Distancing myself from very great friends. People that genuinely wanted what was good for me. But I would be attracted to the wrong people. And I didn't realize that until I got older. That I would cling on to the wrong people. Because there was a spirit that I didn't realize at the time. But there was a spirit that I was clinging on to. That that it was a spirit that was trying to take my life, to be honest. um, I felt like I did at times think about committing suicide. It it would cross my mind a lot, you know, a lot. And I said, you know, if I'm gonna continue to suffer like this, I just don't wanna live anymore. I don't wanna be like this anymore. I don't wanna live anymore. And sometimes, you know, I would go out and, and I would meet a girl, I would meet like, Like a girlfriend, I would have a girlfriend and then that would kind of make me feel better for the time that we were together. But then we would break up and then it would be like right back to like my depression. A lot of times my relationships would would end up because I just couldn't take it. You know, I had to stop smoking weed for the time that we were together because I didn't want to expose this Drug addiction that I had, so I would stop, and then they would kind of—they didn't know it—but in a weird way, they would help me, kind of uh, stop my addiction, and then I would get with this girl, and it—it would help me for the meanwhile. But then once we broke up, my addiction was like right there, like I already had, you know, a blunt waiting for me, or I already had a sack waiting for me, so that I can get high. It was just a nasty process that I would go undergo, and I did this several times. I'll never forget it though. I remember. One day, one of these particular girlfriends that I had, who later passed away, uh, rest in peace, she passed away in a tragic car accident. But I never forget, she took me to the church that I ended up attending, uh, the church where I ended up meeting my wife. She took me there, I was about 18 years old, and coming into this church and I'm thinking, oh, it's a Catholic church, you know, I grew up Catholic. And I started looking around and it looked really empty. I was like, well, where's where's everything at? Where's Jesus and where's Mary and where are the apostles? I'm used to seeing all these statues and where's Christ? Like, you guys don't even have Christ on the cross? Like, man, I mean, maybe they're broke. Maybe this church doesn't have any money and they, they may be in need of some money. So I thought, you know, those are kind of my first thoughts. And then, um, you know, she said, you know, let's just take a seat. And then one thing that I realized is that all these people were coming up to me to say hi right now mind you i'm coming from a catholic background i grew up in an impoverished neighborhood where you know it's kind of middle class but there's still a lot of gang activity there's still a lot of gang members i kind of grew up with that mentality myself and i'm thinking why do these people want to meet me why do these people want to shake my hand like i don't want to have nothing to do with you dudes like step away you know like are you guys trying to get with my girl right now like what's up like why like I was so, so skeptical of so many things and especially people that don't know you and they all of a sudden like want to say hi and give you a hug and all this stuff. And I wasn't even want to give hugs. I was like, yo, man, that's that's for those people that swing to the other side. Like, I'll shake your hand, but that's about it. So. (laughs) my thoughts were really twisted and my experience was really twisted. I'm sitting there, you know, we're kind of like listening, you know, the Christian church usually starts with with worship and Catholic church, uh, I don't remember, but I, I don't think it starts that way. So I'm like, oh, wow, cool, some music, you know, and I see like these young people playing these instruments and I'm like, whoa, like, this this is cool this is like a rock band kind of thing so i was really into it i you know that that's one of those key things that stayed in my head like man i want to learn how to play an instrument that's cool man all these young people they're playing instruments you know i it felt it felt really good you know to know that you know maybe i could play an instrument even though i'm young but i couldn't afford an instrument i couldn't afford a guitar or drums or anything all that stuff was really expensive pianos all that I couldn't afford none of that. So my parents definitely couldn't afford any of that. So here comes the end of the service. You know, I heard the the pastor and the pastor's yelling. And I'm like, why is this guy so mad? Like, he's just like, you know, talking about like how, you know, people are going to hell and how, you know, people are like watching stuff on TV. That's not good and listening to things. And I'm like, well, what other channels is there? Like, what other radio station is there? Can you recommend me a radio station? Like, what are you listening to? I, I guess, you know, I was just, I was a young kid that was really confused. I didn't understand. And I was just flowing with the world. I was one with the world at the end of it all, all these people start praying, right? My girlfriend at the time, she's like, Hey, I'm going to go pray. I'm going to go, I'm going to go up to the altar and I'm going to pray. But all of a sudden she starts crying and I'm like, what did they do to her? Like, what are you guys doing to her? And then all these people start putting their hands on her head. And i'm like man you guys gotta back up like she's going through something don't don't touch her so i get up off my seat i go up to the front of the altar trying to like tell these dudes like hey what's going on why are you guys messing with her like why is she crying who like because my first thought is she's crying because something's wrong right i had no idea that she was crying because she was giving you know her life to god and she was receiving the holy spirit i didn't understand that so you know i asked one of the guys i said hey what's going on why are you guys doing that or why are you guys touching her? And why is she crying? So I was really confused. And I'm like sitting here on the sideline, kind of looking at this whole thing. And I'm not understanding. So one of the brothers, um, I call him a brother because he is my brother in Christ now. He said, hey, let me pray for you. Okay. And he said, it's fine. They're just praying for her. She's like in in her moment, like she's receiving the Holy Spirit. And I said, oh, wow, cool. All right. I, I, I don't get it. But, okay, so now I can see she's not crying because some, somebody did something bad to her. She's just crying because she wants to cry. You know, he starts praying for me. I said, yeah, fine, go ahead, pray for me. So I'm thinking we're going to hold hands because in the Catholic Church, you you hold each other's hands like at the end or in the beginning, you know, to to pray. And I said, you know, well, I'll pray for you, but we need more people because I'm not just going to hold your hands like just me and you like that's gonna look funny right so i say hey you know go grab some more brothers so that you know i don't think i called them brothers at the time but i said go grab some more guys so like you know we can you know kind of huddle around and pray so he said yeah yeah that's fine so i'm thinking we're gonna hold like grab each other's hands and stuff and it doesn't happen they start putting their hands on my head and i'm like yo you guys are bugging like get your hands off of my head like why are you guys touching me and then all all they all start crying right so i'm like man these are a bunch of cry babies like i don't want to be here if they're going to cry I, I never even seen a man like like a guy my age crying like in public right so i'm like nah something's wrong you know that day i didn't realize but a seed had been planted in my life i i didn't realize this i keep going on with my daily my daily life you know we leave the church i asked her i asked my girlfriend i said hey or, Ex-girlfriend, girlfriend at the time, I said, Hey, why were you crying? And she said, Well, you know, it's like this thing that, you know, comes over me and yeah, I can't really explain it. It's just kind of something you have to experience on your own. You'll have your own experience. I said, Man, I hope I never experienced that because I don't want to cry, especially not in front of other dudes. Or in front of anybody. Like, I don't wanna publicly cry. Like, who wants to publicly cry? So, I just didn't edit no much. So, you know, she kinda came from a gang background. A lot of her brothers were gang members, you know. So, you know, here I am just kinda going back into it, like, you know, smoking weed with some of her brothers, smoking weed with other people. But there kept being like this unsatisfaction in my life. The day that I broke up with her, which was really hard, you know, I decided to part my ways with her and just, just kind of venture out and and meet more people and maybe adopt a new group. Um, I saw that, you know, some of her brothers just not headed the direction that I wanted to be headed. Like, even though I was a drug addict, but I didn't want to like be in a gang. I didn't want to like do all that. So there's a lot of reasons why I parted my ways on top of the fact that it just it didn't work out. So just kept smoking weed. And I remember my sister, uh, she ended up getting married with, this Christian, this Christian dude. I thought nothing of it. I was like, okay, another Christian. I kind of know what he what he's gonna do. He's gonna go to this empty church and he's gonna cry. And I'm like, "Eh, whatever, you know, if that's what you're into, (laughs) that's what you're into, right? So I told my sister, as long as he treats you right, you know, here I am, you know, just kind of like delving into different scenes. I got into the car scene. I started, you know, racing, street racing. You know, I thought I was cool. I had a Subaru WRX all decked out. You know, I had the headers, the downpipe, you know, tuning, the whole nine. Like, I just thought I was like, I I thought I was, you know, the bag of chips and and you know all that so I ended up um, getting into that scene a lot of friends that were in that scene they were all smokers too so it would smoke and everything I started really getting more and more stuff like I started making better money I started uh, driving a better car I started buying things that I really wanted to buy I got a better job um, with one of the guys from the car club Oh, by the way it was we were part of a car club so we just started meeting at different areas in Ontario some of you that know the Ontario street races know what I'm talking about and but there was still this unsatisfaction like I was the popular kid in school I was you know dating the you know the the very good looking girls in school and now I'm like the popular guy outside of school because I have a Subaru all-wheel drive you know the way that they take off I was beating a lot of people so like my popularity is growing I'm thinking like yeah you You know, like I'm, I'm, I'm all that. But when I would come home at night, I was not satisfied, and a lot of people didn't know that. I couldn't explain it either because everybody looked up to me. So it's like, how can I show weakness when everybody, all my friends that I have around me, you know, they're all looking up to me. They all think that I got it figured out. Well, little did they know that on the inside, I was, I was a wreck. I was, I was broken. And you know, a lot of times when we look at people, we don't realize that they're broken. This is why you have to talk to anybody and everybody about God. You have to share the gospel because you don't know who's broken. You don't know. I don't know who's broken. No one knows who's broken. And you know, it's funny because now some of my friends that I thought would have been the least to accept the, the gospel, they have. And the ones that I thought would have been the ones that they would have accepted the gospel, they haven't. So to continue with my story, here I am in the street racing scene smoking weed all the time, thinking this is the business, being around car model girls and like the whole nine got into the rave scene. And, you know, my brother-in-law was somewhat in the car scene also. So um, I was like, oh, wow, you know, he's not only is he a Christian, but, you know, he's a street racer. So I I can get down with this, you know, but he was a street racer. He was going through his time, but my brother-in-law was not a drug addict, you know, not like me. So he was just a car enthusiast. I was Kind of trying to be the whole package. I was trying to be the bad guy, you know, the the bad guy with the with the race car, with you know, with the drug addiction, and I was doing the whole thing. So one day, in my unsatisfaction, you know, just being really depressed, my sister comes over and she said, "Hey, I want to invite you to a service." And I said, "What's a service?" And she said, "Well, it's like you know, it's like going to church." And I said, "Oh, really?" I said, "Okay, well, um, sure, you know, let's uh, let's go." So I end up going to this church service. And lo and behold, she's taking me to the same church that this girl that I had dated, my ex, she's taking me to the same church. And I'm like, whoa, 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 I'm coming back to this place. I'm like, man, this is the place where people cry. And I think they're broke. They might need furniture because there's nothing in there but chairs, right? So my sister starts laughing and she said, look, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about them being broke. Just come with me listen to the preaching. And by the way, we're not going to go to the English service. We're going to go to the Spanish service. And I said, okay, I understand Spanish. I can speak Spanish. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll go. So go to the Spanish service. My brother-in-law, he's a Spanish speaker too. My sister, we're all Spanish speakers. And we, you know, we, we grew up here. So we speak both languages because our parents are you know first generation so i'm sitting there listening to the preacher and you know again sounds angry kind of yelling at us you know and i didn't get it so i said you know what this is not for me you know i don't feel anything i don't know what you guys feel i don't know how you guys start crying and everything i don't feel anything and you know just i already had a blunt in the car I already had it ready right there in the subaru so i take off i spark it up and i end up rolling out so i'm thinking i'm all cool because couple of the little Christian honeys were right there checking me out and I was like oh look you know I mean there's some honeys in here too so I end up taking off thinking I was the cool guy little did I know they were looking at me like that guy's stupid right because here I am lighting up a blunt in the parking lot of a church taking off thinking that oh I'm cool right so cool story bro right so I end up taking off and my sister calls me up and she said hey how did you how would you think and i said i don't think nothing of it you know i just still think it's like this place where it's pretty empty um they may be in need of some money and i don't feel anything and the pastor all he does is yell and then it was a little different because i think in the spanish uh or in the christian they call him a pastor in the catholic they call him a priest so i kept calling him a priest And my sister's like, he's a pastor. And I said, okay, well, I don't know what the difference is between a priest and a pastor, but you know, whatever. The priest keeps yelling. You know, some time had to go on and some more things started happening to me. So all of a sudden I get this, this bad news where i i got diagnosed with the with the with an illness thank god it wasn't a terminal illness but i think god used it kind of as a as a starting point of my christian walk so i go to the doctor um i started feeling really bad and the doctor says hey you're you're pretty sick um you got very bad cholesterol and i I don't know, but I want to, I want to do some blood work on you. So, you know, I kind of started getting scared because I started getting vertigo. I started getting dizzy and I just didn't understand what was happening. You know, like how, why am I, I'm a healthy guy. I like to work out. I like to exercise. Why do I have these problems? So finally I go back to the doctor. He says, you know, we got to do some more blood work. We can't really find what's going on with you, but if you keep Getting dizzy, I suggest you not go to work. So now I'm thinking, man, now I'm going to get fired. I'm not going to have my job. If I don't have a job, I can't pay for my car. If I can't pay for my car, then I'm not going to be able to go out and chill with my homies and chill with the honeys and none of that. So um, I think he told me, you know, he said, Hey, you know, I don't know if you have a belief system, but if you do, this is what the doctor told me. He said, If you do, I would pray about it because honestly, we've never seen this before. We don't know what this is. And I said, Well, you guys just brand blood work you you're you're telling me and then uh, i think when my ekg came back i had like this arrhythmia problem with my heart and so it was just like a couple of things that were just off and they're like we we just don't understand what's going on so this whole time i'm scared and i'm thinking man you know something's gonna happen and what what happens if i pass away you know so that only threw me into a deeper depression so i stopped wanting to go out So my sister said, uh, she came back one day. I hadn't been to church for a couple of Sundays in a row. And she said, hey, you know, I want to invite you to another service. And I said, uh, you know, now I was a little bit more like optimistic. I was like, okay you know, let's go, let's go, you know, I, I I need something, I don't know what I need, but if, if you think this is what I need, then I told her the whole doctor story, and she said, come on, let me pray for you, let us pray for you, so this time I go back, it's my second time back, and I ended up just, I don't know, it was weird, it was like I went up to the altar, when the altar call came up, and something happened. And I was like, Whoa, what was that? Like something, it was like a little breeze. It wasn't like, you know, like a full on, you know, deliverance. It wasn't like the Holy spirit just hit me with that, with that fire. It wasn't like that. It was more like, I felt something. I couldn't put my finger on it, but I I felt something. So I said, you know what? All right. I want to do this again. So, but I said this, I'll never forget it. I said, Lord, God, whoever you are, I'm going to come back one last time. If I can't be delivered, I can't get something from you or know who you are, I'm done. I I'm, i won't come back. I may take my life because at this point, I'm super depressed. Uh, I don't know what's going on. You know, I'm bawling. I'm crying in my house. I'm crying in my room most of the time. And this depression just won't leave. The weed doesn't take it away. The weed only suppresses it for just a little bit. And then I'm back to feeling the same way. Now the doctors discovered this. So I said, you know what, God, maybe I'm just not meant for this earth. Like maybe, maybe I'm a flaw. Maybe I'm the dud, you know? So I said, God, I'm only going to come back one more time, you know, whoever you are, you know, and, and who was I at that time to question God. But you know, that's, that's how, that's what I did. You know, that's how, that was, that's my story. That's my testimony. So I said last time, I'm not going to give you another chance. I'm, I'm only going to come back one more time. And if I don't feel anything, I'm out for good. And I really, really did think I was just going to take my life. So here I am, you know, getting into all of these situations with, with weed and, and depression and, and oppression. And I'm feeling like, You know, everybody's against me. I don't want to visit any family. I don't want any visitors. The doctors haven't figured out what I have. I feel like my whole world's coming down on me. And I think at that time I was single too. I just broke up with with one of my ex-girlfriends. So I go this third time and the music starts and everything's good. And for some reason this time... I actually was able to pay attention to the preacher. The pastor at the time, I was like, wow, I kind of understand what he's saying. I kind of understand what he's saying. I Okay, like I'm able to pick out words now. Wow, that makes sense. So like now I'm being more intrigued by, by what the pastor's words are. I, I don't understand it. I don't understand why I can understand them a little bit more. And then we're going through like the Bible and I'm like looking at the Bible and I'm like, whoa, okay. Okay, I understand this too. So like these pieces of this puzzle are coming together. And you know, how can I forget it? It was it was the very first day that I received the Holy Spirit. So I come up, there's an altar call, like like at every service and willingly. This time it wasn't like somebody came and got me like the other times, like my sister came and got me. Oh, let us pray for you. This time I said, you know what? No, if, if this is real, it has to come from me. I have to do this. So I get up out of my chair. I walk up to the front. I remember the pastor saying, just choose a spot wherever you want. Just choose a spot where you feel comfortable. Go ahead and start praying right there. And I'm praying. I hear people receiving the Holy Spirit. I hear people, you know, crying out to the Lord, asking God for whatever their necessities were. And I remember just thinking like, man, you're just not going to reveal yourself to me, are you? Because I didn't feel anything. All of a sudden, I just stayed quiet. And I said, I'm just going to be quiet. And if this is real, it has to hit me. Like it has to hit me. I'm already here. I'm already here. So where are you at, right? All of a sudden I get hit with this vision, this, this, like, it's not a vision. It's more like a, like a, a, how can I explain it? It was like a, like a guilt. It was like, like, like I, I played a film of my life and all of the things that I had done to people, all of the things that I had inflicted on myself all of the things that I had inflicted on my parents and it was like this film being played and it was like a film of all the bad things that I had done. Honestly, it was really nothing good in that film and I just started crying and I was like, what's happening to me right now? I would I said I would never cry in front of people. I said I would never even like be in this situation. And now I'm finding myself in this situation where I'm crying uncontrollably. I have this fire. Like my my body felt hot. And I'm like, what's up? Like this is not like me. That day I will never forget it. I came out of there. Well, First of all, let me let me finish that story. So, I received the Holy Spirit. I'm filled with this fire. It's like a furnace, like I'm being put inside of an oven. And I'm like, "What?" And I'm like, "Is my shirt going to melt off like him?" And, and like and and then for a moment I thought I didn't even have a shirt on. It was so it was extremely uh, weird, rare. I said, "Okay, I have never in my life felt this before. I'll never forget it." It was like these this weight that I was like bearing, like this weight was taken off of me. It was like if I had a stack of weights on my back, one by one was just kind of being picked up and taken away from me. Honestly, I, 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 mean, I didn't know how, I didn't know what I was, what was happening. I didn't know how to explain it. But when it was all said and done, I felt, I felt like I didn't want to leave that place. I felt like whatever that was, I needed more of it. And I felt like, I mean, I was hugging the stairs. I don't, un, I don't, I don't understand it. You know, I didn't understand it. I was, I was hugging the staircase. All this depression. All this time that I had been hurt. I had been hurting myself and I had been hurting others. For this one moment, this one experience, this one encounter to take it all away from me was the best thing that ever happened to me in my whole life and I didn't understand it. But what I did understand is that I didn't wanna leave that place. I felt a sense of security at that altar I felt like, Lord, can I live here? Can I stay here? Can I sit here? Finally, somebody was like, "Hey, you know, we gotta go. You know, you know it's, the church is over." And I thought, no, like if I go back home, something bad's gonna happen to me. And I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't get it, you know. And I didn't get that God can be anywhere. God is within you. You're, you hold the temple, and God abides inside of that temple. And I, I just didn't understand it they're prying me off of the staircase and they're like, we got to go, man. I mean, let's go get something to eat. And then when they said, let's go get something to eat. I was like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I am hungry, but, but I want to be here. I want to come back. And they said, Hey, you can come back as many times as you want. (laughs) And nobody's going to stop you. And I was like, yes, I have to come back. So it's like, I don't know. It's like, you know, you you dove down, you know, 80, 90 meters and you found like this gold coin and now, but you know, there's more, but you couldn't hold your breath long enough to get it all. So now you're like, I need to come back and get the rest of this treasure. That's that right there was the third time that I had entered back into the house of the Lord. I received the Holy Spirit and that marked the best trajectory that I would have ever had in my life. It, it changed my life. It was a game changer. And I'll never forget it. From that moment on, slowly but surely, my depression was leaving because I felt righteous. I felt like I was doing the right thing. I felt like maybe I was seeking for justice. Maybe I was s- searching for truth and I was starting to find this truth and I was starting to find this justice. Being within this, 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 spiritual encounter i'm starting to become healed i'm starting to like what's happening i'm starting to feel confident you know i'm putting the weed behind me and even that weed stopping that weed wasn't easy i mean i was getting chills at night if you can believe it, some people couldn't believe it. Some people are like, oh, no, start stopping to smoke weed is easy. No, it's not. It's not easy. There's nothing easy about it. I started smoking at 13. I think I didn't stop smoking until I was like 2021. 20, and I'm talking about religiously every day. Now, when something like that is bonded to you, to your system and your system depends on it, oh, believe me, you will break out in chills. So I was breaking out into these chills Like, I don't know, maybe it took about three or four nights for me to fully be over it, but that I had to undergo a change there too. God is like, hey, if I make this too easy for you to stop, you know, then you're going to want to come back when, when the time, you know, when you start facing hard times and I'm glad God made it that hard that at that time. But I knew now with the Holy Spirit, I knew that I had something that was going to help me. I had a helper, somebody that was going to hold my hand through this and say, Hey, don't worry about it. I got you. So I ended up little by little, just tapering off and started seeking more and more for the truth. And I was being filled and service after service and now I wanted to go to two services and and now I wanted to go to the third service you know during the week and and I was searching and I was hungry for this truth I was hungry for his word I was hungry because this whole time I didn't know what I really wanted this whole time I was confused this whole time I I didn't know that you know I, this could have satisfied me I did not know but when it did start to satisfy me satisfy me when it did satisfy me I knew that I had something here and I was not going to let it go Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, serving the Lord was the best thing that I had ever done in my life. The best decision. I could still be in the world right now. I could be high on meth. I could be high on on weed. I could be, you know, high on cocaine. I could be high on acid, on ecstasy. I could be going to those same raves all over again. I could be divorced. I could be dead I could have a std you know god saved me from all of that because i made a decision because i made a choice see you think that everything's glamorous and all this is cool there's repercussions to everything there's repercussions to everything when you do all these drugs you're putting your mind through something you're putting your body and your spirit through something you just don't realize it because then when it's time to quit when it's time to become a man, when it's time you know, to face these responsibilities, it's not easy. And see, I don't care what you tell me because I went through it. I'm going to do another. Um, I want to do another series on why I stopped doing acid because acid was another thing that played a big part of my life. Cocaine was another one. So alcohol, cigarettes. Guys, I'm, I was not an innocent. Uh, I was not an innocent kid. I, I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up in the streets. With street people. I, I I'm not coming from, you know, I'm not the pastor's son. I'm not, you know, uh the deacon's son. I'm 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 coming from from the hood. So I'm just gonna tell you right now that it was the best decision. That's where I met my wife. That's where I met some of the greatest friends that I have. That's where I, you know, I prayed for the job that I have now that I'm really blessed to have. That's where I prayed for everything. So, ladies and gentlemen, if I could tell you to make one decision today, one decision, it's going to be to serve the Lord. Say yes to the Lord. You're going to spare yourself from all of this BS. And mind you, all these friends that were supposedly had my back, the minute I told them that I wasn't smoking weed anymore, the minute I told them that I was going to start going to church, they all turned their back on me. Now, the reason why they turned their back on me was because... I wasn't providing them with what they needed anymore. I wasn't bringing around drugs. I wasn't feeding their ego. I was out the game. And because I was one of the more popular ones, they thought, oh yeah, I'm going to take over his spot. And in my head, I'm like, how foolish. Why would you even want that spot? Do you know what I went through? Do you know how broken I was inside? Do you know how broken I was to where I was inflicting pain on others? That's like, do you see that, you know, only a broken person could do this to other people? Only a broken person could do this to himself. So, but with all the friends that I lost, I gained way better friends. I gained even one of my friends in church is better than 10 friends outside of church. So I will, I will leave you with this. If you have a chance to accept the Lord Jesus Christ in your life today, tonight, whenever you hear this, do it. You will not regret it. You will not regret it. The Bible says is that he who finds this finds a treasure. Just like finding a friend, he who finds a good friend finds a treasure. And I consider Jesus Christ my best friend. He's the best decision. I look around, I look at the people that I grew up with. I look at the people that, you know, acquaintances and people that, you know, maybe I bought drugs from, I sold drugs too. A lot of them are locked up, prison, dead, uh, you know, broke, um, divorced, broken, illnesses. So, young man. Young woman, not only are you going to live in victory, but God's gonna bring all the right people into your life. Don't allow Satan to lie to you and to make you think that those people on TV are, are happy, because they're not. They're not happy. How many rock stars, how many artists do we know have committed suicide? How many artists and, and people like that do we not know that are divorced and are just jumping from relationship to relationship? That's not being happy. That's not being happy. The media will paint it happy. The media will make you think, oh yeah, they're happy because they have money. Money isn't everything. Money is just a small part of it. You need, you need good friends. You need good advice. You need a good life. You need a your, your good spirit. You need a good path. There's so many other keys to this puzzle. There's so many other pieces to this puzzle. Don't be fooled. Don't be beguiled by, by the media, the tabloids. Don't. If you want a good man, follow God. He's going to bring that right man to your life. If you want a good woman, follow God. He's going to bring that good woman to your life. And you that want a good woman and you that want a good man, you guys are going to meet each other because that's what God proposes. He proposes that we live in victory and he protects us so that we may grow up the next generation to do the same. So I'm going to do another series on why I stopped doing acid to serve God. And you guys will want to tune into that one too. Um, There's a lot of stuff that goes on with acid. I want to expose it. I want to show you that it's not what you think. You know, it's not peaches and cream. These all have consequences to your life. And I'm going to let you know in the next one how acid played a big role in mine. So I love you in Jesus name. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I hope you like it. Subscribe. But for right now, I'm out. Young gospel. Young gospel.